Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Industry Magazine. This is our second More Than a Sale podcast presented by Simplot Turf and Horticulture. And it's another excellent conversation involving a superintendent, an industry professional who helps that superintendent. Joining us are Sean A. Church, the superintendent at the Governor's Club in Brentwood, Tennessee, and Simplot Turf and Horticulture Territory Representative Steve Ellis, who covers most of Tennessee and parts of three other states for the company. Sean and Steve have a unique relationship, which they convey in the podcast. Before we get going with them, a word from this episode's sponsor. The real beauty of a golf course starts with what happens below the surface. Soil pack specialty granular fertilizers and soil conditioners make soil rich, loamy, and packed with nutrients that enrich the physical, chemical, and biological components required for beautiful turf. To elevate your turf game, elevate your soil game with Simplot Soil Pack. Soil Pack is part of the Simplot Turf and Horticulture Performance Pack line. Each performance pack has been shown to be highly effective at improving performance, enhancing plant health, or resolving specific threats. Learn more about all 10 performance packs at th.simplot.com. Read and follow label directions. Confirm registration before use. Now on to our conversation with Sean and Steve. Well, Sean and Steve, it's great to be speaking with you, and it's great to have you on the podcast. And the first question here is for Sean. Sean, for our listeners that aren't familiar, describe the Governor's Club in your own words, and what responsibilities do you and your team have? Uh, the Governor's Club is located in Brentwood, Tennessee. It's a private 18-hole gated community. Um, Arnold Palmer was the original design. We have all types of turf here. We have warm season, cool season. We have four acres of mini Verde potting greens. We have 70 acres of Zoysia, Maya zoysia grass, and uh, additional 60 acres of fescue. We are mainly rich, uh, take care of the golf course, you know, landscaping around, but uh, we don't take care of any of the common areas. Obviously, you're right in the middle of the transition zone. What type of growing challenges does that bring for you and your team, Sean? Well, we we definitely have four seasons here in uh, Tennessee. With the Bermuda Greens, the, the challenge is the winter time. You know, with those cool attempts with the Bermuda greens, um, if we get below 25, we, we put the covers out. Um, if we get below 15 degrees, we'll double cover. But that, that's probably the biggest challenge is, is in the wintertime with, uh, you know, just making sure you make the right decision for the greens and so on. And Steve, describe your job. Uh, what is your role with Simplot Turf and Horticulture uh, Encompass? And tell our listeners about the territory you cover. Well, the territory that I cover is lower, east, middle, and, and all of West Tennessee except for Memphis. I uh, do cover a few courses in North Georgia, North Mississippi, and uh, in southern Kentucky. That's, that's my territory. Well, Steve, that's, that's quite a territory, and I think you probably see almost every type of grass in every condition possible being, being grown. How diverse are the golf courses in that territory? Most of the golf courses in my territory now have changed over a short period of time from bent grass to Bermuda grass. Just so, just to just to, to make changes to look at different ways to better the golf course. So I think um, you know if you don't look at changing things and and being diverse, you kind of get it's like other businesses. You kind of get left behind. So. So I think you have to look at look at being as being diverse to um, to be successful. Steve, what 
is a typical day, week, month, year like for you, or is there no such thing as typical in a job like yours? Typical? I mean, you do have some typical months. Um, you know, during the season, November, December, January, for example, are pretty typical. You know, it's cold here, so, you know, guys are, uh, you know, have winter projects and things like that going on the golf course, which a lot of times, you know, doesn't include, you know, sales reps or anything like that. Other months or the rest of the months out of the year probably not so typical as, as you know, like, you know, March, April, getting ready for fertilizer season, um, you know, scheduling custom applications. We have a, uh, a custom application truck uh, that can uh, um, custom apply fertilizer for, for all our customers across the southeast. So, um, you know, so that, that rain outs and things like that. So that, that makes those time of the month not very typical. Um, so being typical, you know, a few months are pretty pretty dang good. But the rest of the time you just have to kind of move and, and go with, with with what Mother Nature brings us and, and uh, hope for the best. Sean, I understand you have quite a uh, career journey. Explain your route to the Governor's Club and uh, your background to our listeners. Okay. Um, so, you know, obviously grew up in Australia. You know, watching the tournaments on TV and, you know, seeing these manicured courses that, you know, you just dream of playing golf at sort of led me, you know, to want to come over here and learn the craft. So I, upon graduation, I received a government-based scholarship for trade excellence, which paid for my journey over here. Got in touch with Mike O'Keefe, uh, came over via the Ohio State International Intern Program. Um, my first sort of stop was at Eastlake. Uh, that was in 2004. Uh, did an in, a 12-month internship there and then went to Muirfield Village. Um, did a probably about a 10 to a 12-month stint at Muirfield. Um, during that period, I got married, um, moved back to Atlanta and uh, worked with Tony Mancuso at Cherokee Town and Country Club. Took a couple of years out of the industry, um, had some health issues with some parents back in Australia, so packed the family. We moved back for close to two years. Upon returning back to the United States, I uh, got in contact with Ralph again and uh, was fortunate enough he had an assistant position open. So I was at Eastlake, I think it was probably three to four years. I worked under Ralph and just really enjoyed it and never, never ever looked back. Before we get to your time with Ralph, uh, does Australia have anything like a, the United States transition zone? Um, I believe so. So I was, I grew up in Queensland where it's pretty well hot year round. Um, you may get a little bit of a frost, but um, yeah, I'd say possibly sort of that southern states, they get a bit colder around Melbourne and Sydney. Um, that'd be the closest thing to probably a transition that I'd imagine. Now I've had the opportunity to go to East Lake and spend time with Ralph and his team. Just what type of uh, learning environment was that and how well prepared were you for your uh, job at the Governor's Club after coming through the East Lake system? Yeah, I, I owe Ralph a lot. He, uh, he He's my true mentor. To this day, it's been six years since I left East Lake. We still talk every, every month, every couple of months. Um, it's just amazing that year after year how he raises the bar with the course. I, I talk to him all the time about it. How do you do it? You know, um, when you're in that pressure cooker situation with the cameras are on, the 30 best in the world are playing your course. He just always, always finds a way. And I think that's that's pretty impressive. 
Steve, what about you? Uh, explain your path to your current position. I always tell everybody that asks questions like that, number one, is, is I, I do believe that God, God has a plan for all of us, and I, I firmly believe that. So, so uh, in 1983, uh, which I'm dating myself, but... I had an opportunity to go to work for Tennessee Farmers Co-op in Middle Tennessee, one of the largest cooperatives in, or the largest cooperative in, in Tennessee. Uh, and I began there in the fertilizer plant. So whether it was bagging fertilizer, blending fertilizer, loading trucks, you know, whatever whatever the job called for for for, for that particular time. So, so after uh, I left the fertilizer plant, stayed with Tennessee Farmers Co-op and moved to another department called material handling. So what material handling did is essentially worked on all things fertilizer, equipment, conveyors, you name it. Um, and essentially in the beginning of that, I was the parts manager. So I maintained about one and a half million dollars worth of inventory. There's what I did and, and uh, for a few years and, and continued doing that. Then I started going out and working on conveyors at, at various co-ops as things broke down and things like that. Um, and then I started demonstrating fertilizer equipment, spray equipment. Um, we were in the beginning of in the early 90s with GPS. So so I was given the task of, of learning the GPS systems that, that were put on some of our equipment at that point in time and going out and demonstrating uh, the abilities of those, or the capabilities of those, at during uh, application time. So that was that was pretty exciting for me at that point in time too. So, so probably in nineteen, I guess probably in ninety five, uh, farming kind of was declining a little bit, and and uh, so Tennessee Farmers Co-op saw an opportunity to get in the golf business. And when they did that, given my background with spreader trucks and and my capabilities of operating those, um, they offered me a job to be essentially a custom applicator at that time. And that sounded pretty interesting to me. So not a, I enjoyed playing golf, not a big golfer, still not to this day, uh, but I still enjoy it. But um, so my first task was to build a fertilizer truck and a sprayer that we could put on golf courses, you know, with the less impact as possible. So, so I completed those two things. And, and, uh, so we had a couple of salesmen at that time calling golf courses across the state. We had like 138 stores. So we pretty much, you know, figured we could pretty much get to all the golf courses that was, that was necessary to, to, uh, um, as far as the products are concerned. So so I did that for about three years, um, and then we grew, um, moved inside, hired four uh, employees, a couple applicators and delivery drivers. And then early 2000s, um, that was a company coming north, and uh, they were looking for a sales rep. And uh, that interest me, but I really didn't have any sales rep ability at that point in time. So anyway, grant him an interview. Um, and I still tell people to this day, probably the best interview I ever had in my life, knowing I probably wouldn't get the job. But 
lo and behold, I got a phone call about a month later, offered me a position, not in sales, but in, but in operations. So they opened a warehouse uh, here in Middle Tennessee, um, and I essentially stocked the warehouse, made deliveries and things like that. And I, that went on for about, I guess, about two years. Um, and then a sales position came open for mainly Chattanooga and parts of Middle Tennessee. And um, Matt Shook was his name, um, and he came to me and asked me, he always called me Bubba. I said, Bubba, you'd be interested in going into sales. And, of course, I didn't hesitate and said, absolutely, yes, sir. Um, but uh, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of how I got into the sales part and, and probably in 2001. Um, and like I said, the only territories I had was Chattanooga. That was my first territory and still grateful to, to those guys to this day for giving me that opportunity and, and, um, and being, and helping me be successful, um, in that territory and then middle Tennessee as well. But so that, that was kind of the short version of my path, how I, how I became into sales. Uh, I was with that company for 18 years and, um, and then uh, Simplot came east, and uh, I was more. I looked at Simplot and the diversity of the company in general. I just felt like I needed to make a change. So, so even and, and I have to go back and say, even the company I worked for before work was not in Tennessee at that time too. So I had to introduce that company uh, to Middle Tennessee, and. Obviously, the same with Simplot. So they, they weren't east at that point in time. And I like startups, and that interests me as much as anything is, is to, to come on and bring a, bring a new company somewhat, even though Simplot is not new by all means, but they are to the east. But, but to introduce Simplot to my existing customers and grow that uh, business with Simplot. Well, that's quite a story. And one follow-up I have after hearing that story is how does a golf course superintendent compare to the farmers that you used to deal with? You know, they're, they're, they're actually very similar if you think about it in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, superintendents, they're, they have crops as well. They're just, they're just different, but, but the nutrition, basically the same, different amounts. So there's a lot of similarities in golf course superintendents and farmers. Um, but, um, like I said, just on a different scale. And one other thing, what, what type of mindset change did it take to go from being an applicator in your previous role to working in, in sales? And what are some characteristics that have helped you succeed in sales in your mind? One of the things is, is, is understanding and knowing all facets of the business. Um, you know, I've had an opportunity to, to be that applicator. I've had opportunities to be in the fertilizer plant and knowing what those guys go through you know, day in and day out, it's 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 tough work. You look at custom applicators; they travel around, and it, they're very demanding during certain times of the year. You can't take those rigs through a drive-through, for example, and have lunch or or do anything like that. So those those are the things that that, that I appreciate about um, about those guys, probably more than others, just because I've been there, and they may not understand completely you know, what their days look like. You know, all we know sometimes is, hey, you got to be there at daylight, get this job done. It should take four hours. you got to be at the next job. 
finish out your day with. So I think looking at it that way, that's really helped me on the sales side of this thing too, is understanding all facets of, of the business instead of just being one, generally one-sided. So, so I'm thankful for that. Sean, how did you meet Steve and did you have any idea that his background was what he just told us? I was still employed at Eastlake. I'd handed in my, my notice and uh, re- reached out to Steve, uh, got his number through a uh, vendor that was in Atlanta, and uh, we struck it up on the phone and, you know, said to him, you know, I'm going to be in Tennessee, you know, drop in on the first day. And uh, I think it was around about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, my first day at the Governor's Club, Steve showed up, and basically we got we got straight down to business, you know, creating a program, you know, what was going to, what I was looking for and, you know, what what Steve could offer and uh, just been doing the same thing ever since. Each year we uh, we get together, all right, this worked good, this didn't, um, and we just try to, you know, create the best possible program we can. There's a great lesson here. I mean, Nashville is a completely different market than Atlanta, Sean. How important is it for any superintendent to start building alliances like the one you have with Steve when they move to a different region? Yeah, it's imperative. Um, I hadn't had a lot of experience with fescue, so Steve was a big help with the fescue, you know, with the pre-emerge, post-emergence and all that sort of stuff. I think it's imperative. We work as close as, you know, probably two friends do. Um, we'll have a look at our soil results each year, just as an example, you know, and go over everything. And, you know, just I know Steve's there for me when I need him. And, you know, he wants me to succeed as much as anyone. And Steve, how about on your end? I mean, how much do you enjoy helping a superintendent who moves into a new role like Sean did a few years ago, understand the, the market and the growing conditions? How rewarding is it to help somebody new to an area like you have with Sean over the years? It's very gratifying. I enjoy it. I enjoy listening to, to their ideas and, and not disagreeing with their ideas, but bringing new ideas to them and, and have them listen. And, and maybe those two ideas can implement and make, you know, make what works. Been in this territory, you know, for, for pretty much all my life, actually. But, but, uh, superintendents, like you, like Sean just says, I think, superintendents moving into a new area um, really need to get to know their sales rep and especially if they've been there a while I think they can put their heads together and come up with with an agronomic plan or program uh, that's going to be best for them it can always be tweaked and nothing you know may not be exactly right the first go around but but things can be adjusted to, uh, to to be successful Sean, how's your relationship with Steve grown over the years? And explain how he helped you with the the fescue. That was an area that was new to you, right? Atlanta at East Lake, there was we didn't even have an acre of fescue, yeah. so it was uh, it was new for me. And that was you know we try to go into a job that we know what to expect and what's going to be coming at us. But that was that was something that was new for me, and uh, you know it is a different sort of weather pattern here in Nashville than, than Georgia. So just the timing, you know, what was a good timing with the pre-emerges, what posts are going to be, you know, best bang for the buck and that sort of stuff. So our, our relationship at the moment, I mean, Steve will call me out. I'll call Steve out. You know, um, we're pretty 
pretty honest with things. So if something's working, you know, we don't we don't try to change it. But if there's room to improve, we'll get in the office and see what new products are there, what's what's coming out, and you know, at the end of the year, it's always a success. So. Steve, what impresses you about Sean and his programs at the Governor's Club? What, what sticks out in your mind when you get a chance to ride around with him? I think the first thing to say about, about Sean as a person first is his family. You know, there's no doubt we talk personal um, a lot, but probably as much as we do about the golf course. And, and I think the love of his family, his son, his wife, I think that's the first thing that sticks out to me about Sean. Um, so, and then riding around on the golf course, I mean, you just you just have to see the property. I mean, it was it it's always been good, but the changes that Sean has made since he's been there is absolutely incredible. Mainly the greens, you know, the greens are struggling for whatever reasons they were when when Sean first got there, uh, and it. It didn't take him very long to to get those things to back where they were the main topic of the golf course in a positive way. So, and then outside of that, you know, greens teach fairways, the definition of a golf course, cleanliness. Sean, and he's he's on here, I know, but he's 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 definitely outstanding in his field when it comes to being a superintendent at, at a higher property. Sean, we have a lot of superintendents that listen to this podcast, but we really have a lot of assistant superintendents that listen too. What guidance would you give maybe a younger superintendent or someone that's hoping to become a superintendent in dealing with people like Steve and how important is it for uh, young people in the industry to, to learn how somebody like Steve and other people that have roles like his can help? Them? What type of guidance would you give in the superintendent industry professional relationship? I think it's imperative that the assistants get to know their sales reps. Um, I encourage my, my assistants to talk to the sales reps, you know, be a part of it. Um, nine times out of ten, the uh, sales reps actually know what jobs are opening up, you know, before before we do. So um, from a network standpoint, um, I think it's good for the assistants to, uh, to get to know their sales reps. Um, they're going to move into that role of a superintendent one day. So, you know, the more people skills they can get, the better. And Steve, what do you like to see from uh, superintendents and assistant superintendents? Uh, when you call on them, what, what type of um, relationship advice can you give from your end as somebody that's done your job for a long time? Well, I think you, from, from my end, I really like to get to know the, the assistants. Um, they're, they're as big a part of that that golf course is as, as a superintendent. I mean, they're out there, their eyes are on the golf course just as much as his are uh, or hers. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I think the respect between that superintendent and that, is, that, is, that assistant super um, is very valuable. So, um, so get to know that assistant. Um, and, you know, the thing about it is they bring new ideas. You know, I mean, even though they're young and, and may not have been there for a while, um, they've been in a, a different course. They they bring new ideas to to the to the golf course too, and and I think that a superintendent is better off listening to those guys. Um, you know, whether they implement that or not, I mean, listen to them, um, 
and let them let them be a part of the golf course. Um, so that's that's my thoughts on on, on assistance. They're they're very they're important. They're just as important as anybody else. And and uh, and Sean has two great young assistants right now. But but man, they those guys are, are good. Grayson and Cam they they uh, they do a great job. And I think I think Sean will definitely agree with that comment. Steve, with your role, what's success in your eyes when you get to the end of a calendar year? How do you define success in your job? And I like that question, and, and Sean hit on it a little bit earlier. Um, I believe, too, I think what success is in my eyes is that trust between me and a superintendent, me, Sean, and I. We have we have that, and, and I think I have that with a lot of guys. And 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 basically, you know, what, what does that mean? Um, so you can, you know, Sean and I can sit down and he can tell me his thoughts about what, how he's going to approach a, an issue or problem, whatever it may be. And, and sometimes we disagree. Um, but I think when, when you continue talking things out, you can see both sides of that. And maybe your ideas and his ideas again can come together and, and, uh, and, and work out, you know, that problem, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. So, so I really do think that, that I think trust, uh, between a sales rep and, and a superintendent, uh, and that, you know, a trust may be calling to ask about a product on the phone. You know, what's the rate I need to spray with it? Don't need to water it in. What's the timings? You know, all these things, um, you know, over time, Sales rep has to remember everything. <laughs> so, um, you know, you got to know the rates. You got to know the timings. Uh, you got to know the water volume. You know, so I think, you know, superintendents uh, should and need to lean on their, um, on their sales rep to, to answer some of those questions, especially with new products that's coming out. You know, um, we got to keep up with all those and how they can help. Um, and benefit that superintendent uh, on his golf course. So, so I think trust would be would be what I would consider success. And last thing, Sean, with your job as a golf course superintendent, what's success in your eyes when you evaluate it and reflect on it? So, success for me is a is a little bit different. Um, I've always eyed success as how many people I can help in the industry, whether that's assistance moving on to a new job or seeing an employee, you know, go back to school, get his turf degree. Um, we actually had one of those employees this year. He had no turf degree, did an online program, did great with it. He left a couple of weeks ago. He got his first assistant position. So to see that employee grow and, you know, put in the hard work and, that sort of stuff for me is very gratifying. Well, Sean and Steve, this was great. I really enjoyed the, the conversation, and congrats on what both of you have achieved, and we really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Not a problem. Well, thank you. It's actually been fun, and and, and I'll add a quick funny story to, to something that Sean said earlier when he was still at Eastlake, um, and we talked on the phone, and obviously he's from Australia, and I'm a southern boy, and we talked on the phone, and at the end of the conversation, I told Sean that I'm just going to have to meet him in person because I did not understand a word he said. <laughs> <laughs> but 
to look at him and understand. And now is I think his southern draw has gotten a lot better because I, I can understand him better now. <laughs> There's a few stories that we can't tell on the heat, isn't there, Steve? <laughs> uh, yeah, we yes. I was going to stop with that one. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, that's probably good. We have an Australian, a Tennessean, and an Ohioan slash Pennsylvanian all on the same podcast, and somehow it made sense. So thanks for all the time. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah. Thank you, guys, very much.